2: now
4: These countries feel like they uh, they are getting the short end of the stick. And that's why they're expending the BRICS to include more countries effective January 1st, 2024. Those countries are interesting because Saudi Arabia is one of them. Hey friends, Sean from SGT Report
5: here. Thanks so much for clicking play. It's great to have you back. That was Leo Gantz, the founder of Wealth Research Group. And in this one, we begin with 9-11, the false flag that changed the world. We ask, who is Biden working for? We talk about BRICS expansion, the Fed, inflation, China, and so much more. Friends, thanks so much for tuning in. Hey friends, welcome back. It's wonderful to have you back on this, the 22nd anniversary of the day that changed everything. Of course, you guys are getting this video just one day after 9-11, but we are recording it on the 22nd anniversary of 9-11. Guys, I can't even believe an entire generation has been born since that fateful day which I would call an inside job. I'm going to welcome my guest here in one second, but I want to let you guys know you're going to hear a snippet from the latest Reese Report, Never Forget the Truth About 9-11, which I think begins with Building 7. I want to welcome my guest. It's Leor Gantz. He's the founder of Wealth Research Group. Leor, it's fantastic to have you back, sir. How are you?
4: I'm good. Thanks for uh, inviting me.
5: Well, it's good to see you. Guys, just so you know today, this is for the economic caring among you, The gold and silver grew. Maybe even a little Bitcoin. If you care about the economy, the future, recession versus depression, this is the interview for you. We're going to talk about BRICS expansion, the Federal Reserve and inflation. Again, recession versus depression. Where are we headed? And China is collapsing. We have the data to share with you. But guys, I definitely want to share this video, just a snippet of it with you from Greg Reese on the 22nd anniversary of that dubious day referred to forever as (laughs) 9-11.
1: It take hours to go over all the evidence which proves that the attack on September 11th 2001 was an inside job. And I suggest you look into it if you haven't already. But to simplify the situation, all you need to do is look at Building 7. What some people still don't realize is that there were three buildings that fell into their own footprint that day. Three buildings that fell at free fall speed indistinguishable from controlled demolitions because that's exactly what they were as the towers came crashing down we can see the signatures of a controlled demolition the official story is that building seven known as seven world trade center caught fire as a result of debris from the twin towers which somehow caused a critical internal column to break causing a cascading failure and collapse
5: I'll try to remember to leave a link below. Greg goes on in this important video to recap World Trade Center 7 and the fact that NIST could not explain the collapse of Building 7 because they refused to take a look at the possibility that explosives were used. Instead, they came up with a cockamamie theory that the collapse of one joint, one beam caused the consequential, caused the dominoes-like collapse of the entire structure really quite impossible. And the first building, the first steel building to ever collapse at free fall speed due to fire in human history greg goes on to recount the fact that larry silverstein took a lease on those buildings the entire world trade center complex just three months before the attack and he had the buildings insured against acts of terror he was ultimately paid out billions of dollars and we have that clip from lucky larry saying i met with the first responders the fire department we decided maybe the best thing to do would be to pull it So we decided to pull it, and then we watched the building come down. Guys, you can't make it up. There's also the testimony live from the BBC of that live feed between the BBC and Jane Stanley, live in New York City, saying the building has collapsed. Details are sketchy, but the Solomon Brothers building has collapsed. Well, that was World Trade Center 7. Sadly, that building, during that live broadcast, was still standing and smoldering behind Jane Stanley, despite her saying... The building has collapsed. The satellite feed failed. And 10 minutes later, that building, how prescient of Jane Stanley. It did collapse 10 minutes after that satellite signal failed. Leor, I know this isn't your wheelhouse, but I have to pay it forward for the audience. And we have to remember all those who died on 9-11. The smoking gun of it being an inside job, in my view, is World Trade Center 7. Where were you on that day? Do you remember where you were? I, I I think the only person that probably doesn't remember where they were is maybe George Bush Sr. He can't recall where he was when uh, JFK was assassinated either. <clears throat>
4: um yeah, I, I started uh twelfth grade. Um actually. So in 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 my time zone, it was um already after lunch. And um I remember that I sat next to a classmate of mine, a girl, um and she had a Nokia phone, the one you used to play Snake at uh with, if you remember those. And she got a SMS message that twin babies died on a plane crash. So it was a lot of uh confusion in the first two minutes there. But I I I remember that uh and, and and, but for the audience, if, if you uh, uh, don't know, I'm I'm in Israel, so um, this this is literally happening in Israel. So 20 minutes later, all the teachers come come in and they tell us school's canceled. You all need to go home now, and like everyone's rushing home and and un- trying to understand like what's happening. But uh, uh, immediately. Uh, both here and and everywhere else that there were starting to be a lot of question marks around everything. Um, but I remember that, uh, by the time 2008 rolled by, this was like very much, um, much more common for people who did study it even here outside of America to realize that, uh, the intelligence that, uh, was the pretense for invading Iraq was, uh, obviously, uh, wrong. Um, or or deliberately uh, lied so um, and it changed the Middle East it changed a lot here um, in the past 20 years and, and now America is doing a full uh, reverse and is trying to exit the Middle East and that's what we're seeing right now that everything that um, um, that you're seeing in the last few years it's all about how can we exit this um, and and leave Something that's durable, so we can focus on China exclusively. Um, but it doesn't seem to be uh, working as uh, as fast as as America wants it to to happen.
5: Well, you know, it's interesting to hear you uh, recount that from your perspective, because I think it's woken up. A lot of people have woken up since nine eleven. Like I said, an entire generation has been born who didn't even exist on that day, and uh, now we can see. And Greg Reese goes on in this report to clarify that on the back of 9-11, not only did we invade Iraq and Afghanistan and go into wars the American people would not otherwise have ever supported, They signed the John Warner Defense Authorization Act, the Patriot Act, the Military Commissions Act, which has all gotten us to this point now where the U.S. government can use propaganda against the people domestically and roll out, by the way, a bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine. So the war on humanity continues to ramp up. The good news is, guys, I think people are waking up in droves, which actually brings me to the next point here. Who in the world is Joe Biden working for? So here's a real brief clip of Joe. I won't play the entire 54 seconds. I'll just jump to the chase. They cut him off. The people that control this man cut him off mid-sentence. But I just want you to hear how he started this. A speech in Vietnam. He may have a game plan. He just hasn't shared it with me. But I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed. I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed. He then goes on uh. to mumble and stammer until they cut off his mic, the leader of the free world, we're told. So here's the question for you, Leor. Who is Biden working for? The administration now under fire again for illegal, reckless cancellation of Alaska oil leases. It's clear this man does not work for the American people. Who's he worked for?
4: China? Um i mean it's a very complex question in terms of uh how you judge uh the current administration on its stance on china um it, it, it inside of the uh the current administration there are many people that uh love actually what what trump started in is era um and they're continuing on that path there are people that are varying to the other side Uh, But certainly, uh, 81% of the American public is uh, against China. And this administration continues to uh, create a containment and and entrapment uh, program militarily against China. Uh, Do do you know what the Quad is? The Quad? No, explain. So the Quad is is a... um, (laughs) Just like there's bricks, there's also... Quad is, is an alliance between um, India and uh, the United States, Australia, uh, and Japan. Others are, are considering joining, uh, like South Korea, for example. If you pull up a map of China, I can show you the big difference between China and the United States and why China um, is obviously gearing up for, for war against the United States and, and vice versa and how they're doing it. Um, and it all revolves around uh China's worst geographic uh, threat, which is called the first island chain. This is basically uh, the reason that China's never been able to become a global power. And it's always been a, a very important power in Asia, but never uh, more than that. If you zoom on that, you'll see that between Japan and all the way down, even further than the Philippines, all the way down to Singapore and up to the Andaman uh, Islands of India, this creates an island chain that has uh, a lot of choke points. Uh, the, the Chinese know it. They call it the Malacca dilemma because of the Malacca Straits, which are a kilometer and a half uh, trading corridor that controls about a third of the world's uh, transportation and uh, nearly half of their oil supplies. So they've always been worried, and they should be, about how the United States and its allies can uh, entrap them and that's why they they started the Belt and Road Initiative to uh, create a, a land corridor that will lead them to the Middle East to Eurasia, Asia uh, and and change basically the uh, uh, the dynamics of this. Um, uh, Trump obviously uh, uh, intensified U.S. presence in, in the South China Sea with military bases and uh, with the uh, missiles and everything else. You, you have over a hundred thousand U.S. soldiers stationed. Um, on Japan's islands, on the Taiwanese islands, on uh, Singapore, uh, on, on the Philippines, that could have been uh, actually a Chinese ally, but chosen to be a U.S. ally, uh, because the, China has been, for years, aggravating uh, the, the Philippines in their uh, fishing waters, uh, and, and so they chose America. And what's happening there is uh, literally, that that should be The one thing you should pay attention to most, because that is where ground zero of uh, any conflict between the United States um, or a United States ally and China will break out. Where? Um, Because where the 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 South China Sea. Yeah. Anywhere uh, you know the 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 crown jewel is obviously Taiwan. Taiwan. Mm -hmm. But um, but but what China wants to do is they want to. They want to create a situation where either one or more U.S. allies that create this incredibly uh, uh, well-protected uh, island chain that are all within range of China in terms of uh, in terms of missiles um, uh, ceases to exist. That's their that's their existential threat, right? That's why they're not uh, a global power. That's why they're always a regional power. That first island chain is always what's blocking them from expanding. And the equivalent of that for Americans to understand would be Cuba. You know, right, Cuba right, is right. within it, it, that's why Cuba is so important. Because if if the if the Soviets would have put nukes on that island, that would have changed the whole thing. That would have been World, world.
5: War Three. And the guy who saved us from that was John F. Kennedy picking up the phone and talking to Khrushchev, even though the Joint Chiefs wanted a nuclear exchange and were pressing Kennedy towards just that because sometimes the deep state It's the same people Eisenhower warned us about the military industrial complex. Sometimes they're bloodthirsty monsters and the joint chiefs reporting to Kennedy were urging him into a nuclear exchange. So thank God cooler heads prevailed and he picked up the phone. He talked to Khrushchev, but, uh, and I do want to move on to the BRICS expansion, which is tied into this.
4: Oh, go ahead. No, I'm saying uh, that's a very well-documented, uh, story, including, uh, phone calls and everything. So, um but uh, that you can hear like you can if you want to listen to the cuban missile crisis you can you can hear now the uh the communications the conversation he was pressured um and another story that many people don't know is that there was one soviet nuclear um submarine that was headed with supplies to cuba while this was going on They, they had no knowledge of what was going on in the real world and as they approached Cuba, uh, the military started dropping uh these uh, uh I don't want to call them fake bombs, but I can't remember the word in English. But basically they detonate but they don't create any issues. They they just warn the sub. They they detonate around the sub. The, the, uh, this officer and um and the, the commander of the sub had orders from uh Moscow that they didn't know where. At this point irrelevant uh because uh candy and, and Khrushchev talked that if they are attacked to strike back with nukes. and but in order to do that yet you, you need to, to to have um both of the uh officers agree one was already uh, lined up and ready to do it and the other one asked them to wait now this guy literally asked them to wait for four hours as these bombs were going off all around them. And as they surfaced, the uh, sheer uh, brilliance of this guy's patience, not to start World War III, revealed itself. But he, he, he obviously, that decision saved a whole lot of lives. Wow. Um, so that's so, an, yeah, it's an interesting. Yeah, that's an unsung awesome hero. hero. For sure. I had not <laughs> heard
5: about that. Well, let me just say, though, yeah. so getting back to uh, who I call the Dog King, Joe Biden first of all, and we don't have to dwell on this, but he didn't get 81 million votes. He is not the rightful president. And I think more and more more Americans are waking up to that fact. And even if we were to assume he did somehow pull it off without the demon rats stealing it, he's a dog king. He's a figurehead. He's part of the humiliation ritual. He does not reflect the strength and integrity of the people of the United States. He reflects the exact opposite. He's a sleepwalking puppet who falls asleep and says he wants to go to bed during public speeches internationally. Can you imagine how weak that makes our nation look? Can you imagine how weak we look to the Chinese? Compare and contrast him and his persona to President Donald J. Trump. So my question here, and we'll move on to the BRICS expansion, but my question is, who does this man work for? I mean, we know that he's being controlled by Barack Obama, Victoria Nuland, Susan Rice. He's not making the decisions. In fact, in one of these same speeches, he says, oh, i got to look for my marching orders here. You know, I got to He's digging through his car yeah, because he doesn't want to call on actual journalists who will ask him actual questions. So he's trying to cheat and figure out, oh, who are the pre-vetted journalists I'm supposed to talk about that I'm supposed to call, call on? This whole thing, I think, is part of a humiliation ritual. So I don't know, man. We don't have a John F. Kennedy that's going to pull us back from the brink. We've got Pedo Joe, a guy whose own son calls him Pedo Peter. <laughs> Do you believe that? It's true. I've never heard of that, but... 100% true. His own daughter, (laughs) Ashley Biden, said in her diary, did you know this? She was afraid to take a shower when he was home for fear he might get in the shower with her.
4: That's our president. That's our president, man. Um, Well, I'll tell you a few things. Um, One uh, is that uh, there are 16 million people uh, employed directly and indirectly by the U.S. government. So uh, while the president is important um the u.s government uh functions whether or not uh you know the, the president is is you know this is a testament to how much uh the u.s can can function even with uh, a president like this and this is not the first time uh, throughout the history of the republic there were many presidents that were either ill very uh weak or sick tired uh and having uh all sorts of issues um so it certainly won't be the first time, uh, that you're seeing something like this. Um, but, uh, this is becoming a, a topic of public debate. You've, you've seen also Mitch McConnell and what happened, uh, to him. And, and it, it talks to the fact that Washington is, you know, there's, there's leadership that's very, uh, aging. Um, ancient. actually <laughs> ancient. And it, it's a problem not, you know, not to be overlooked. It's, it's a real problem. Um, and that's why, you, uh, you, you truly need new new uh, generation of leaders, but um, well, I think
5: those people embody the deep state too. They're entrenched; they're there beyond any presidential administration. I mean, people like Mitch McConnell are a great example of the deep state, and they work hand in hand. These rhinos work hand in hand with the demon rats. So, at least to some degree, across parties, there's no difference between most of these candidates. They're all working together to, in my opinion, bring down the United States and usher in. Cultural Marxism and communism.
4: Well, there's certainly uh, there's only part of a generation of politicians that were brought up on certain ideas that half of the nation, uh, if not more, are no longer supporting um, to a large degree. And I, I think that the big mistakes started to occur uh, after the Soviet Union fell because once that happened. Uh, the entire military complex uh, it, it basically was no longer needed. Your your only real opponent is no longer uh, a threat. And instead of changing the game, that's when uh, your hatred towards um, interventionism, meddling, trying to expand at all costs, uh, uh, looking at ways to... Uh, to create these, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to call it even messiah-like uh, opportunities elsewhere in the world came up. Um, who knows, you know, why and, and and what are the motivations of these people? But certainly, when we entered this phase, this phase that I call hyperglobalization, when globalization was no longer, you didn't need the Bretton Woods system anymore, the way it was structured. Because the the purpose of it was to uh, defeat the Soviets, and that's it. That, that was done. It was a chapter in history that was closed. And instead of uh, trying to figure out how America can use its immense potential, its it, its incredible um, entrepreneurial spirit, uh, the fact that it has it, it's been dealt a, a, a hand of aces that no other country in history can even come close to. It has everything you want, um, and yet it was abused. And um, to a degree, I think a lot of the hatred that sparked um, uh, the chaos in the Middle East, and now uh, uh, a lot of people becoming anti-globalist, anti westerners e- even within the United States of America, uh, is all part of of the fact that it's no longer needed. It was no longer needed, yet they did it, um, to, and and the results were casualties and life. Like th- these are not um, millions, these and, are millions and millions and millions of people
5: dead in Iraq, yeah. Afghanistan, Libya. We turned Libya into a cesspool. Into a cesspool. And the witch cackled. We came. We saw. He died. I think you're right. I think that this country at least the military in this country has been used as the mechanism for hyperglobalization which took us into war after war after war and the bloodshed is immeasurable but you know it's not immeasurable the national debt which has ballooned from a couple trillion to over 32 trillion dollars in the past 20 years and here we sit hyperglobalization i think this is an excellent segue to two of the things we're going to talk about today that i think i want to group together BRICS expansion and China is collapsing. Let me show the audience this, and then I need your opinion on this. And I wonder if the two aren't inextricably joined. So the BRICS to more yeah. than double with admission of six new countries. But you have the data, and I've heard the data too, you know, as it relates to real estate and the real estate bubble and the misappropriation of Huan in China. China is collapsing. Is that why they're moving so powerfully with the BRICS? Is it a way to break away from the dollar to prevent China from being absolutely pounded into the dirt by the United States? Kind of a loaded question, but the BRICS to more than double with admission of six new countries and China is collapsing. Where do you want to start?
4: Okay, uh, let me give you just an overview of everything that's happening uh, around the globe. So first of all, let's start with BRICS. BRICS started uh, because in 2001, a Goldman Sachs analyst Wrote a report called BRIC without the S, uh, developing countries that, uh, could be a great opportunity to invest in in 21st century. This was about Brazil, Russia, India, and China. It had nothing to do with politics, geopolitics, strategy, or anything else that linked them as common uh, with some commonality or, or any, any common agenda. Um, but in 2006, those four countries decided that this guy at a point and created an association um this is nothing more than an association there's it it's nothing like a federation like the united states it's nothing like the eu which is a a literal union with agreements packs uh, a plan everything else this is a think group um about a couple of years later they added south africa and that's how we got the name BRICS. um now till this day they are still that there there's there's no agreements pacts contracts or or anything that they're working towards except um coming together for a summit to talk about how they are uh disenfranchised or or uh, feeling you know uh, left out of uh the G7 and uh the world bank and uh, all these uh institutions that are uh obviously uh, more affiliated with with the United States but now they feel like they are getting uh, sanctioned and weaponized by uh, the the U.S. dollar system. And that's the big difference. Up until a few years ago, it wasn't so bad. But now it's extreme. About 40 countries have some sort of sanction against them. Um, and that's why these countries are coming together with the saying, hey, we are about half of the global population. We are about a third of global GDP. We produce a lot of oil, a lot of resources, yet you guys are living like uh, it's fine to just uh, sanction us and Like there's no repercussions.
5: Yeah. And by the way, we just saw Niger, same thing going on. We see a lot of interesting stuff going on in uh, Africa where Mm -hmm. colonies essentially, in this case of the French, are breaking away and saying, look, you have turned us into paupers. We're slaves on this plantation, even though we have all the natural resources, we need to be wealthy. Why aren't we wealthy? So there is a move against what I would call the United States Pentagon, New World Order, which George Bush Sr. spoke about as president in public speeches more than 220 times, and he coined the phrase, really, the New World Order is coming into view, he said. I think that there are nation states around the world and countries that are rebelling and turning to the bricks out of a sense of self-preservation, right? Because you just said, the United States has wielded the dollar like a weapon, and it's really turning off nation states, which are now turning against the United States
4: true um and niger uh by the way is, is a country that um uh, was a very uh, important french colony and right now there's a lot of al-qaeda there. there's night uh, there's uh the wagner group is there um they're obviously each for for his own uh, agenda but yeah th- that country uh shows you that uh when you have a situation where you're a desert country um with a lot of poverty and crime, uh, these groups will come in. And there is a very big land grab happening in Africa between NATO interests against Russian interests, against Middle Eastern interests. And these countries are going to suffer uh, from uh, these global conflicts happening on their turf. And each each of them, obviously, for, for his own agenda. And it, it's not going to be just Nigeria. Nigeria impacts Uh, Nigeria which is uh, the the biggest country in that uh, area Um, and of course you're going to see it in Algeria and in Morocco and in Tunisia these are important countries for uh, Europe now that Russia doesn't supply uh, Europe with um, most of its natural gas and oil they need to source it from uh, for example northern African countries these are big changes that are happening because we are in deglobalization and in deglobalization Countries rethink uh, who they need to be siding with and align with. Um, so, some countries will certainly continue to be uh, strong uh, allies of the United States because of the benefits that that uh, brings them. And other countries will choose China, Russia, or both. Um, and it's important to say that that um, India and China, and Russia and China, it's not like they're best buddies. Um, this is; these are not um, your. Lock arms uh, type uh, alliances uh, with any uh, definitive contracts between them. And how they'll help each other? Uh, India and China are, are building massive, massive military presence one against the other on on their borders. They're, they're they have a lot of turf that that is um, uh, a question. On you know, China says it's theirs. India says it's theirs. Russia and China have territories. That they have a dispute on. Um, so, uh, it's not like bricks against NATO or anything like that. Um, but there are changes that are happening. Um, and these changes are certainly, uh, showing up in the fact that these countries are frustrated. That's the big word that uh, I'd like you to take away from this. These countries feel like they, uh, they are getting the short end of the stick. And that's why they're expanding the BRICS to include more countries effective January first, twenty twenty-four. Those countries are interesting because Saudi Arabia is one of them. And Saudi Arabia was up until uh, Biden uh, a very strong U.S. ally. In fact, uh, they love Trump. Uh, they they just just loved everything about him. Uh, they don't like Biden that much. Um, and, or they, they, yeah, they, they don't like they don't like the way he does business. I got news um, for you.
5: Absolutely. Nobody likes Joe Biden, okay. not even his own children. And so yeah, all okay. these phony baloney polls we see in the United States, which you're not privy to, they make me laugh. Even Fox News. OK, we're supposed to believe that's a conservative kind of Republican network. They did a poll and they say that uh, their big pitch was this is shocking because in the last election at this time, Trump was down by 10 points. But now we see in polls against Joe Biden, he's only down by three or four points. I laugh out loud every time I'm kidding. I mean, are you kidding me? What they do? They called up like 80 Democrats and 20 Republicans (laughs) to get those poll numbers. There's no way sleepy, creepy pedo Peter can be three or four points ahead of Trump at this point in any honest poll. So my fear is they're just going to steal another one. I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, the good news is hyper. Globalization is now at its end and deglobalization has begun, which I would equate with de dollarization. So what does that mean for we the people who hold dollars? Because we've seen the dollar strengthening here in just the last couple of months. What does it mean as central banks hoard gold? Nations move away from the dollar. I mean, at what point is the writing on the wall for we the
4: people here in the US? So national debt is a problem. Uh there's no question about it. Um, you know, but
2: Order now
1: fighterflare.com
4: But, uh, just a couple of days ago, I think it's already past 33 trillion. Uh, it's, it's a problem. Um, it's a problem because you pay, uh, higher interest rates on it right now. If you want to issue new debt and all the debt that's rolling over is, uh, going to be, um, funded with higher interest rates. So about 2% of GDP is already, um, yeah. So we're, we're coming up on this. It could happen during this interview. Um, and so. Uh, I think that what's important to understand is now it's about 2% of, uh, GDP, uh, that's getting paid, uh, just the interest on, on the national debt. And that's, that's a, that's a huge problem. Um, but just so you understand, um, I think that, uh, what really needs to scare you is that the new train of thought by, uh, economists in the United States is that the national debt is not really a problem. So you have to realize you will start hearing a lot uh, in the media that here we have a country like Japan with a 200% debt-to-GDP ratio that isn't experiencing inflation for 30 years and isn't uh, uh, experiencing any default. And I think you will start hearing those comparisons with the United States which is at 100% debt to GDP, or 98% debt to GDP. So I think that is more dangerous than the national debt itself. The fact that it's now becoming um, uh, part of the talk that, hey, I don't think we need to pay down the debt. The the debt is just fine as it is. Uh, we don't need to raise taxes or cut spending as, because there's no problem with the debt. That type of new schools of thought in economics are what you should really worry about. So I think that that uh, is really important. That's happening in the United States. Um, and just so you understand, 25% of the $32 uh, trillion is held by the public. So uh, uh, through your pension system and your institutions, you own a lot of that debt, um, just like in, in Japan. Um, and the public owns most of the debt. So that's one thing. Secondly, this is why, uh, Fitch, uh, lowered the, uh, the credit rating of the United States recently. It's because the greatest threat right now to America is not China and it's not Russia and it's not the Middle East and it's not the national debt itself. It's climate change. It is- <laughs> exactly. It- it's the divisiveness within the United States it's almost like there's two countries at this point and the fact that now you have literally two groups of people that almost can't decide on anything managing this debt that's the problem that has always been America's biggest problem how you know to run uh, a country that's so varied in its peoples and then it brings immigrants from the outside etc how to keep growing that country um, and and you've had issues, you know, including a, a civil war uh, over uh, the life of the republic. I think that that, if you really analyze the biggest problem in America right now, it's it's this internal division that almost seems like it cannot be solved by, at least by this generation. Think about that. Think about how much damage that is doing to the country and to people looking from the outside at how this country is run, and should we do business with the United States or with the Chinese? Okay, because what is America's greatest advantage—the uh, rule of law, the civ- you know the, the civil order, everything that it represents over the past two hundred fifty years? Yes, used to and represent, so, used to represent, but still compared to China. Okay, let's not let, let's not compare a country that uh, is about to run. Uh, AI on, on everybody. Um, it, I think that it's important to understand that because that is the greatest enemy right now for the United States. If, if inside, if these, uh, forces can't come together and really understand what binds them, um, it's a problem. And then just think what usually unites the United States of America right, or any other country for that. It's an external threat, and that is what I think you should be scared about, Uh, these types of proxy wars where you find somebody to blame for your problems and you get the people all uh, up in arms about um, a place that they can't uh, place on a map. Yeah, that's Ukraine. That's exactly what Ukraine (laughs)
5: is. As billions, tens of billions, more than $100 billion has gone to Ukraine, all unaccounted for. Meanwhile, the people of Maui get nothing. Zero. Jack squat. No response. Burned out of their homes. United Nations Agenda 2030. Land grab. You know, before we move on, and with an eye on the clock, I really ask you to be brief about this part. But okay. in the notes, you said China is collapsing. You know, mm-hmm. we don't hear that necessarily from the fear-mongering mainstream media. Sometimes we do. But China is collapsing. How does that yeah. play into this entire thing? China is collapsing. Why? Because of their real estate bubble? Just quantify that for us real briefly, and then I want to move
4: on. Absolutely. To the Fed. Absolutely. Okay, so between 1980 and 2010, uh, China supplied the world with the largest ever labor pool um, the world has ever seen. It urbanized hundreds of millions of people, but by 2010, uh, China's working population had peaked, and so... Salaries in China uh, over the past 20 years have uh, gone up about uh, 20-fold. China is no longer a cheap country. There's about 50 countries that manufacture cheaper than China. They don't have the amount of people uh, in the labor pool, but they're much cheaper. China's model is, is broken. And that's why in 2010, they really wanted to make sure that uh, that they move on to the next phase. So they started uh, a real estate bubble of epic proportions. Um, 25% of China's GDP is housing. Just to compare this, in 2008, everything that happened in the United States, that was 8% of GDP. So China's bubble is three times as large. Now, what is their problem? The problem is that their demographics are collapsing. They are literally shrinking uh, um, by population. Uh, in, in the one-child policy era, 336 million abortions created a culture where families want to have one child. And that is literally the average right now for, for a family. So, so this country is going to go from uh, the stated 1.2 billion that they are at to about 800 to 700 million people by 2100. No country's ever lost so many people without some sort of a natural disaster. This is just going to happen by demographic trends that cannot be reversed. And so they are literally facing, uh, a giant, giant, um, debt crisis in their, uh, uh, real estate, uh, market that cannot be solved. And then, uh, that's why you see 21% youth unemployment. That's the, that's the, st- the type of stuff you see in Italy or Spain. Um, that is, uh, very severe. And their biggest problem is that. Unlike the United States, they don't have uh, 100 million entrepreneurs that think of ideas how to, to get you out of that situation. They have a very central government um, that is not letting its entrepreneurs unleash the power of the free markets. Um, and so I think that they they will continue to um, get, get deeper and deeper into the middle income trap. Um, and... and and they'll get desperate. Uh, they'll do a lot of stuff. You'll start hearing a lot of uh, currency manipulation, intervention, a lot of stuff will come out of China in the next few years. They are very, very much in, in a huge problem. What was the second part of your question?
5: Well, I want to move on to the Fed and inflation. No, I think you nailed it there. And uh, it sounds like China bought into the same Henry Kissinger World Economic Forum depopulation plan that they're forcing on the rest of the world through eugenics, through what I call bioweapons masquerading as vaccines and through abortion. So now China has really dug a hole for itself. Now, I appreciate that recap. Central banks have been buying gold hand over sure. fist. And the question is, why are central banks now hoarding gold? This is from Al Jazeera. I want to talk a little bit about the Fed and what you think is coming. And by the way, one of my greatest sponsors is Noble Gold, and we advertise a gold and or silver IRA. They can help people get out of paper stocks, seed and company, settlement, hypothecation, rehypothecation of stocks, and gold via the GLD ETF, or in the case of silver, the SLV ETF. Why are central banks hoarding gold? And then let's talk about the Fed. Your data is pointing to a recession beginning in Q3 or Q4, prompting the Fed to change tune in early 2024 and finally begin to lower interest rates. So first, why gold? And then what's coming? Are they going to finally relent and bring these incredible interest rates down? Now a 30-year interest rate in this country on a home is 7.5%, Leor, It's it's approaching yeah, 8%. It was just a few months ago when Sleepy Joe took over. It was around 2.5%.
4: Yeah, Um so uh, I think like three or four hours ago, I spoke to uh, a fund manager that manages some of my uh, real estate portfolio and I asked him um, about um, you know, interest rates, et cetera, et cetera. Here's a few data points that, that um, you might want to learn and, and know about. Average home, and median sales price in America right now for a home is $406,000. The average mortgage... You need to pay is about twenty six hundred dollars. Rents are about two thousand dollars. So obviously, it's cheaper to rent than to than to buy right now um, a starter home. But look at rents two thousand dollars when the average income is four thousand dollars. Fifty percent to rent to rent. This is this is like third world, third world. And it, it, the problem is, it's not going to get better. There's a huge shortage of housing. And because of interest rates, the home builders are not being building the type of homes that millennials with uh, that just tied the knot and had the first baby are looking to buy, right? They're building uh, the type of stuff that you can rent. So the shortage of homes stays that way. Obviously, anyone that locked in a 30 year mortgage at 3% is not selling. And so you have a very frozen housing market with a lot of office uh, space debt and commercial debt that's going to come due. So in the next few months, I think that that's one thing that should trouble everyone. the The regional banks are the holders of the worst debt right now in the United States, which is commercial and office space. So that's one thing you should worry about. Secondly, the uh, second thing uh, that's uh, that's of worry is that uh, after the stimulus, People had a lot of excess savings. Those excess savings have now been deep leaded. So the consumer has nothing left from all the stimulus um, and, and the derivatives of that uh, bubble economy that create a lot of consumption, et cetera, et cetera. That's over. So now they're starting to tap into their money market accounts um, and and uh, everything else, the the only reason the United States is not in a recession already is because of super low unemployment, because everyone's moving their money and business out of China and moving it back either to America or Mexico or uh, countries that are um, uh, more localized because of deglobalization. So um, what I think you will see is uh, a mild recession uh, later this year and into the election year. That's going to be important for um, the elections. And I think that because of that, the Fed will try to stay out and not play a role in uh, an election year. So um, what I think will happen is they, they will get a lot more spaced out between uh, interest rate hikes and perhaps not even hike, but just pause it um, until maybe a couple of months before the elections and then start to cut it maybe June of 2024. And why are central banks buying gold then? Uh, Because as you can see, inflation, not CPI, but, you know, real world stuff, your oil at the pump and your food costs and your shelter, the stuff you actually have to pay for that. Those are rising oil is a year to date high. And it just shows you that the Fed took interest rates to 525 and still they can't do anything about oil prices, home prices, rents, shelter, food, etc. Like everything that you actually care about, I think that that um, will lead into a situation where they 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 will have to um, start thinking about the health of the economy uh, uh, compared to the price of bringing inflation down. These are not Paul worker years. Uh, to, in, in 1980, the United States was literally the most powerful creditor nation in the world. It had little to no debt, and it could afford to have a recession. You cannot afford to have a big recession in 2023. Yeah, not and when you're paying a think...
5: trillion dollars a year on the national debt, right?
4: Exactly. So I think that um, uh, I remember taking uh, my daughter to her favorite performer, to see her favorite performer. A female singer. I put her on my, uh, shoulders. My back was killing me. <laughs> and the announcer comes on and, and I'm, I'm trying to get us to like the, to the, the stand, uh, right at the, uh, that stage. barricade. Yeah. Yeah. Right next to the stage. And the announcer comes in and says, oh, she's late. She will be late. Uh, it was like a holiday here and she was like probably with her van moving around between 20 venues, trying to, uh, put smiles on kids' faces throughout the country. She's late. 20 minutes. Okay, 20 minutes. I told my wife, could you bring me water? And We're drinking. We're fine here. probably two hours, right? 40 minutes later, so an hour late, they're saying, we finally know where she is. She'll be here in 30 minutes. Now, all the parents, obviously, are annoyed, to, to say the least. The kids are, like, impatient. Like, they, they want to see this. But once she came on, everybody forgot. Like Not everybody. The kids forgot. I I was still in pain. But my point was to say that I stayed there and I waited because it was worth the wait. And that's the reason that central banks are buying gold. They know that very soon the Fed will have to, just have to change its course on these interest rate policies that were literally an emergency. Um, But they're not doable you can't not serve it's not good for washington it's not good for real estate it's not good for anybody and it's especially not good for developing nations that are far weaker than the united states and their costs of borrowing has gone, you know exponential and they're suffering way more than americans so this whole thing is about to change markets uh price it uh at, at june of 2024 um if it comes before or in June twenty twenty four, who knows? But it's just like waiting for your, your favorite performer. It will the show will come. See, and I like just, that. You know what I mean? Like it's coming. I'm not going home. I, I already. I'm already here. I'm holding my daughter. I'm not going home. So, um well, that's I want to just think is happening with gold. It, yeah,
5: you know, and so I, I don't much. normally do live reads, but again, I just want to remind people eight seven seven six four six five three four seven. If you want to take a look at hedging with gold, Noble Gold. They got your back. The link is below. Gold in your portfolio. I know you own some. Silver in physical form in your portfolio. I believe the most tangible... You you bet I am. The most tangible undervalued asset on planet Earth is silver in my view. I know you own both gold and silver in physical form, and I bet
4: that helps you sleep better at night, right? Uh, Yeah, it sure does. I mean, think about gold for a second. Gold has gone up... About 50 fold since 1971. 50 fold. In the 21st century, gold has gone from 250 to just about, uh, 2000. That's, that's the type of returns you get on the S&P 500. That's the type of returns you get from buying the 500 most productive companies in the world. And you're buying that gold as a hedge and as a savings vehicle. You know, if Warren Buffett wasn't so blind to this, if he would have taken a uh uh, uh uh half of the chest uh, of the uh, you know the cash word that Berkshire had and put it 20 years ago in gold this company would have been a a 2 trillion dollar company by now mm. so you know it, it's it, it, of course it makes you sleep better at night uh when you have a a currency system that's by design you know uh, depreciating, it, it, there, there's, it's, it's just by de- design. It's design of the, of the system. So I don't see why anybody doesn't buy gold or silver. It's, uh, it's it's always been a mystery to me. I've never understood it, and never will. I I just don't understand why not. Um, for me, it's always been take your monthly burn rate. How much is the family unit spending any on a, on a given month? multiply it by 24 and if there is a two-year depression 24 months you have enough of your life savings converted into physical precious metals to protect you what more do you need that's that's your entire strategy that what else would that strategy be you're buying gold or silver or both as a hedge against any and all catastrophe
5: yeah in a debt-based system
4: in a debt-based system
5: you're going to hold a tangible asset that is not beholden to anyone's debt, as long as it's not hypothecated or rehypothecated, as long as it is accounted for. And uh, if you want to hold it, that's not a bad idea either. All right, final question. And this is not a topic that uh, most of my audience cares for, but uh, I own a little bit of Bitcoin. Okay. We got the having okay. coming up. I know you guys at Wealth Research Group do follow crypto and Bitcoin to some extent. Fidelity filed for a bitcoin spot etf about a dozen other companies have also filed for a bitcoin spot etf now gary gensler is very very let's just say he goes hard in the paint against crypto and to some extent against bitcoin but crypto specifically he's driving dragging his feet on the uh, approval of a bitcoin spot etf but we have the having coming up in april so the having is less than 200 days away it's a big deal if you look at the other having cycles it always results in catapult higher, Bitcoin higher price every single time. What do you see for Bitcoin, which has had a tough two years after a heck of a run-up in 2020? What do you see for Bitcoin between now and the next halving and maybe six, eight months beyond the halving?
4: Yeah. Um, So first of all, there will be more issues uh, in the United States, I think, against uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Uh, The United States is moving away from um making cryptos easy to hold and use and and whatnot um have you heard of Fed now? Yes,
5: I have, and that actually sparked a thought CBdc I think people like Elizabeth Warren and Gary Gensler are against crypto because they're very much for Fed now and a CBdc and I got to tell you my audience will not comply even though a lot of my audience doesn't like Bitcoin and crypto my audience hates central bank digital currencies because we know it's slave coin.
4: So can I explain a little bit about the the central bank digital currencies because they're coming? Yeah, please. With an eye on the
5: clock, we've gone almost an hour here. Can we do another five minutes on this topic?
4: Sure. And and I think, you know, if you if you go to wealthresearchgroup.com forward slash C B D C um, forward slash C B D C two and forward slash C B D C three, these are three PDF download reports free. That you can download and I guarantee you, you would know 98% of what's happening, uh, up until, you know, a day ago. Um, so it, it, it covers everything from the BIS to the, uh, uh, which is the Bank of International Settlements, uh, to the World Bank and, and what China is doing, what Europe is doing, uh, central banks deal digital currencies in China are a done deal. Uh, they will, uh, they will implement them very soon. They've done a test pilot on 128 million people. That's a big pilot. Um, and, uh, they, they want, obviously they want more control. Uh, what, what, uh, what can give you more control than, uh, currency? So that's happening. Uh, that culture, you know, if, if you've ever been to China, they don't use cash. They don't use credit card. They, they, they all, all they use is their, uh, their apps for for payment. So, um a government app uh, is not a big stretch um of the imagination and I think China is going to be the first uh country uh to launch a uh, central bank digital currency on a major scale. Um Europe is toying around with uh the idea of of a central bank digital currency but not like China. In China, they will literally control everything. They will know everything. Everything. They will know everything you do they will know um in europe and in the united states it's not the same at all um you might get a lot of comments about what i'm about to say but just just know that i'm right uh it's not the same Um, it's not the same at all Uh, the central banks digital currencies if uh and when they will be rolled out it will probably take uh years Uh, these are very um tricky programs to roll out they will probably start with some pilots um, and I, I believe that what they will start to do is they will start to look at ways to force you to take a little bit of central bank digital currency. So maybe you get your Social Security payment in central bank digital currency or your Medicare or uh stuff that the government pays you indir- directly. Or, the, or they'll tell you to, to pay your taxes with the central bank digital currency afterwards, right? Because that way they get it back to their system, etc. Um, but in terms of surveillance and everything like that... uh you, you need to change literally the entire uh rule book in order to do that it's not it's not easy um there, there will be layers and layers and layers and layers of, of separation between actually getting data on specific stuff but it, will it be done I, I'm sure that the I'm sure that once it's rolled out uh, it's a slippery slope but it's we're not there yet um secondly uh central banks uh know that this is not uh instead of cash this is to accompany paper money so there there's no central bank in the west that's is looking to abolish um cash money right now uh they've all seen what the war in ukraine and, and and russia caused in places like sweden for example where people rushed to the atms uh fearing that war is coming to them next and uh, they just don't want to deal with a country where there's no paper money um uh it's just not a good idea uh, and i agree uh, you want to have it uh, if you have a digital currency, you want it to accompany uh, paper money. So that's secondly. And third, they're not ready. Um, digital money brings on a slew of cybersecurity risks. Um, so I don't have to tell you how much you know work needs to be done in order to secure that system. And fourth, the real problem is that what they fear will happen is you launch a dollar cbdc and in a week from from then venezuela has a a, a new uh, currency everyone wants your the dollar well, you know the, it's the safest and most reliable fiat currency so cbdc floods out of the united states and goes to these other countries and they don't want that so uh you need a lot of uh treaties in place and contra it's it's a big deal hmm. so for the united states to roll out a CBDC, it's a hell of a project, and it's it's just it's not easy. It's it's going to take years and years and years of development, and maybe start small scale, etc. But the Fed now is something that's already rolled out, and I think that's a game changer. And you don't have time for me to explain it, but I will certainly explain it to you on the next one.
5: All right. Well, that sounds good. And let me just say the good news here, guys, is that uh, we, the people in this country are not the same we don't have the in my view, the slave the same slave mentality uh of propaganda yeah. that's been rolled out you in don't. China for so long. We just don't. And you I don't. know a lot of people no. are waking up. Yeah. The yeah. other thing we have, the other thing with the gift we have, thanks to the founders, is fifty states and the criminal federal government derives its power from the consent of the governed. So now in Florida, we have people like DeSantis saying, guess what? A central bank digital currency will be dead on arrival in the state of Florida. So, yes, <laughs> the central bank, the Fed has its hands full trying to roll out that devious plan uh, in the United States. That's the good news. The other good news is, guys, as we all know, knowledge is power, truth is life, and we do not comply with things that are tyrannical and treacherous. Okay, it's just that simple. So they have their hands full with "We the People" because we also have a little thing called the Second Amendment. We got a whole bill of rights over here. We got a whole <laughs> exactly. bill of rights over here, my friend, Lior. It's always great having you on. Hey, by the way, just real quick, you didn't answer the Bitcoin question. Do you have a projection oh, well, for Bitcoin after the having? Uh, I think it's going higher. <laughs>
4: okay, <laughs> <laughs> I've higher than twenty-five thousand. All right. Listen, uh, we we profiled Bitcoin for the first time on our uh free newsletter when it was $450 a coin. So yeah,
5: no, I'm with you. From here. You know what? I've been taking heat. For discussing Bitcoin and I was discussing Bitcoin before I ever bought any. I could have bought Bitcoin below 50 when I used to have brother John F on. He was a big silver guy, but he dipped his foot in the pool. I don't know if you remember him, but he was a big Bitcoin guy early on and he suffered through the Mt. Gox crash. I watched it live on his channel. I'd have him on as a guest. We'd talk about Bitcoin. I'd poo poo it because I was a hard metals guy. Finally, when Bitcoin (laughs) retraced from like, I don't remember if it went to a thousand or two thousand, but it went back down to about two, three hundred. That's when I said, guys, I've seen this time and time again. It's time to dip a foot in the pool. I think this thing's going back to its all time high. Not only did it, it went to 20,000, eventually to sixty-eight, sixty-nine thousand. Now we're sitting at 25,000, but I bought my first Bitcoin at around $350, $360. And I think that was That's in 2015, 2015. Yeah, but I take heat for it. But my point was, why not dip a foot in the pool? And if this thing does go ballistic, guess how much more fiat you'd be able to buy silver and gold with guys? So anyway, that's sort of my thesis now, because I think after the halving, we could be talking about a Bitcoin price north of 50 or much higher, according to some folks out there. Lior, can you remind us, how do we get those reports you just mentioned to the folks? Um,
4: Wealthresearchgroup.com is the the website. Um, On the top menu, you can click on uh, special reports. There's uh, a wide array of them. Uh, If you want to access the CBDC ones in particular... You go to wealthresearchgroup.com forward slash cbdc, forward slash cbdc2, and forward slash cbdc3. Very good. All right.
5: Well, that was a far-reaching conversation. Thanks for going with me there on 9-11 and so much more. Lior Gantz, the founder of Wealth Research Group, has been our guest. Until next time, Lior, take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, a reminder for free. Join us for free every single day at the antidote to corporate propaganda and all of those CIA, CNN, Mockingbird, mainstream media lies at sgtreport.com. Add into the mix phaser.com if you want to get your video fixed and thelibertymill.com. Again, all antidotes to corporate propaganda. May God bless you and your family, friends. Bye-bye. I think that that it's related to opsins and optogenetics
1: and, you know, were I to live in a place such as Maui, I think I'd rather be a smurf because all things blue seem to be let alone. Um, we talked about it before that as it relates to optogenetics, it appears that blue light is very dangerous. Um, In terms of a catalyst to these options, it can literally turn things on and off, whether that's your brain or your
2: heart. It It, it really
0: raises the question of directed energy weapons. Sure does. And we have a lot of the government's own resources on our website that have been there for the last year and a half. And this is all within the capability of multiple militaries around the world, not just the U.S.,